This podcast is sponsored by YSE Real Estate Group, offering a tailor-made service, versatility and expertise for all your real estate needs. Are you thinking about selling, buying, investing or having your properties managed? For more information, check our website, www.yycrealestategroup.com. We are passionate about real estate and we love to support local businesses. We hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Cheers. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 41 uh, Behind the Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Manorinter. And I'm your co-host, David Liu. And today we have Melanie... Villeneuve. Is that right? That's right. Um, <laughs> French last names. What can I tell you? <laughs> She's a multidisciplinary disciplinary creative who owns Ertica Design, uh, a boutique agency that focuses on brand development for people who love food. She raises a wild boy and the quacken on a little farm in Parkland, county when she's not busy helping owners build their empires that's right <laughs> and then you also mentioned you're a drag of all trades jane of all trades jane jane of all trades jane, jane of all trades master of none but it's sometimes better than being master of one yes yeah. multifaceted mm-hmm. so yeah let's just jump right in it mel's been spending a lot of time with us last i feel like we've seen you three days in a row right i'm like part of the furniture now seriously (laughs) yeah mel's actually helping us doing some rebranding and reorg of our marketing yeah thank you for being here my absolute pleasure thanks for having me (laughs) yeah how's it been so far in calgary for for the last three days hanging out um you know what i'm used to driving in the countryside your lanes are really narrow here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah, they, they've narrowed them actually. That's why. What? Yeah, yeah. less so, cars. I like driving here though more than Edmonton. Okay. Edmonton, Edmonton is I I always get lost still with the GPS on. Yeah, it's not it's a great so system. So windy, and I think all the roads are numbered, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a great system. Like though. here. Yeah, but we have names. Yeah, yeah, that's which true. Is weird. Like it's like numbers, and then once you get off the grid, it's like names. It's like every so often, and like even in the core, like every so often, you get like a random named one, and yeah. you're like, uh... it says like name formally Fifth Ave or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So let's 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 get right into the business here with what exactly I know we introduced you to a lot, but exa- what exactly do you mainly focus on and mainly do, and what? What are your other avenues that you do? Because I know you have a lot from what we talked about this last few days, so I don't know which yeah. which one to start with. Yeah. I've seen a couple of the businesses. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So I have my hands in a lot of jars, as you know, but the primary thing that I do is brand building. Mm-hmm. So at Urtica, we're multidisciplinary, meaning that we touch a lot of different spheres. spheres. Mm-hmm. So we touch like photography, uh, brand identity de- design, website design, copywriting and we kind of tie it all together because every one of those disciplines links back to creating a better story for the businesses that we work for so whether that's a visual story or a verbal story um, it all sort of ties back into that so we're always looking at that bottom line we're always looking at that foundation of building a stronger brand that is better um, for the community that they operate in that is, you know, kind of reaching the goals that they're trying to put forth. Mm-hmm. And everything that we do 
always has those goals in mind. Mm. Those are good goals. Strong goals. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for like a, a business owner that wants to kind of revamp their business. Yeah. You know, like I've been in entrepreneurship since 2008. It's a good time. Yeah. That's so, a good time. <laughs> so it's been a hot minute. Yeah. Let's hear the backstory. How did you get into it? How did you get into entrepreneurship? Like, yeah, let's hear the origins. Yeah. So I think that most entrepreneurs kind of have this pivotal moment where they decide that they don't want to work for someone else or they are exploring these things that kind of doesn't fit in a tidy little box that has a title attached to it. For me, it was just my parents were entrepreneurs and it was a normal thing. Um, for me, it was just kind of part and parcel with how I was brought up. My dad always owned a business. My mom always owned a business. And it's just like part of who I was. But then in my early 20s, I had this moment where I was trying to like write out my resume. And I was like, damn, like, who's gonna who's gonna hire me with all these like wacky, like, <laughs> like skills, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. oh, you know, like, I, I can write really solid copy. And I, I can do photography. And I'm like working through like a design major. Who's gonna hire this like, wacky resume person? Yeah. Um, and then I ended up working actually in retail for quite like quite a while. And what I picked up there was sales, mm-hmm. you know, which kind of led me back to wanting to be in business because I was like, oh, like, like this guy can sell you something that you absolutely want. And you say thank you for it at the end and you feel really good about it. I want to have those relationships with people like I want to go into that service side mm-hmm. and then. Like, some people have these really cool stories of, like, I was on the couch and dying, and then I, like, you know, like, had an aha moment. But, like, for me, it was really progressive. I just kept trying new things and picking up skills and trying new things and picking up skills. And then it culminated in the past couple of years into Urtica, Mm -hmm. where we have, like, now there's me and there's, like, a handful of other really cool creatives that work with me who um, kind of fill in the gaps and also are, like, experts at what they do. Um, so I don't have like a cool origin story that is like a big like aha moment, but it's been it's been progressive and it's been really stemmed from that idea that I'm not sure I'm hireable. But then you guys kind of told me different this week, so there's that. <laughs> <you know? laughs> no, I think it's good because like I feel like a lot of people aren't willing to step outside their comfort zone to actually try different things and learn new skills and and just kind of hone their craft because like you don't know what that skill is going to bring in the future unless you have it. Absolutely. And like, I I find that a lot of people just they're in their comfort zones. They don't want to step outside of that zone to get new skills, but it's actually like a hindrance. If you want to be like an entrepreneur, you just got to try everything. And I think also like entrepreneurs underestimate how multidisciplinary they are because whatever it is that you do as your business, like, you know, like real estate or design or whatever it is that you do, you also know how to run a business. That's a whole different skill set. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not just, you know, I'm a really solid communicator. It's I'm a really solid communicator and I know how to lead people and I know how to run a business and I know how to talk to lawyers and accountants who support my business. And, you know, like, so it's like, I think it's people who are naturally multidisciplinary 
are more inclined to wanting to be in business for themselves because we want to touch all those different things, you know, like it's just part of who we are and our capacity to do those things that sort of lead us back to entrepreneurship, I think. Yeah, I think entrepreneurship is, is it, it, it's a grind and you have to force yourself to multitask and have all these other avenues that you have to learn, right? Absolutely. There's a forefront, there's a behind the business, which is obviously why this the podcast. Um, and there's so many different avenues of, of what to do to run a business that you are forced to learn when you get into that lane, right? Of mm-hmm. entrepreneurship, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like, could you run your business without your people skills? No. <laughs> right? And then you have to learn to do it. If you can't, if your if your business is not going well, you have to look at yourself to see and reflect. Okay, is it my people skills? Is it my communication? Is it what is it there that that's causing the results that I don't want? And then you that's I think with entrepreneurship, you, it forces you to grow if you want to grow your business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Yeah. Or else you always sort of end up in this position where um, you're not making enough. Mm-hmm. You're stressed out about, you know, whatever, like either you're stressed out about your people, you're stressed out about your cash flow, you're stressed, but you're like just stressed out. Um, But there's kind of no way to move forward unless you look in Mm -hmm. and you work on yourself Mm -hmm. because you have to be a better leader Mm -hmm. and to be a better leader, then you have to do your work, you know, like. You got to become stronger. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So, so what led you to uh, build Urtica, like how, how long has it been running? How long has it been running for? So Urtica is actually super new. Um, the It's like a brand new name. It's a brand new look. It's like, you know, it's kind of, it's a brand new coat of lipstick on a pig is kind of like how I like to say it. <laughs> yeah. But um, I've actually been doing design since 2008. So I started doing graphic design in Singapore mm-hmm. in 2008 Back in the day where you had to like, um, like you would create like. Why, why there? Why? Um, so I, had fa- I have family who yeah. used to live there at that time. Okay. Um, my godfather was out there. So I spent my 18th birthday in Hong Kong. And then I was like, hey, uncle, can I come and hang out there for a bit? Um, that's how I ended up in Singapore. But So you lived in Singapore. Yeah. Which is where I started the business. Oh. Crazy. Okay. Where were you Let's go. Wait, where were you born and raised? Like, are, are you, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's rewind. Yeah. Okay. Let's get a timeline here because, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So I'm a Montrealer kind of through and through. I was born in Quebec. Okay. Um, so my mother tongue is French, which I try to pretend like I hide really well. I try to really not have an accent when I speak in English, but then I say certain things and you're like, ooh, there's something in there. We don't know what it is, but whatever. It's part of my mystique or something. Um, yeah, so born and raised there. In Quebec. In Quebec. Yeah. Um, from, you know... I'm assuming you speak <clears throat> French fluently. That's right. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, we talked about... Yeah, 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 yeah we yeah. did. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like, went to high school, like elementary school, high school there, ended up leaving Quebec um, to go to a private school in California and take advanced placement classes in order to enter an Ivy League university. Crazy. Um, that was like my goal. Like I wanted to be in, like I was really A-type from the start <laughs> um, and ended up um, actually having to come home back to Quebec 
before I was able to like transition into university in the States. Um, for family reasons, stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but then ended up taking graphic design because I didn't want to take social studies because I felt like that would be a waste of time for me. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, so I ended up working in a photography studio shooting fashion for magazines. I was an assistant there while I was um, studying graphic design. And then... So you're like in your... <clears throat> Like twenties. I'm like I'm like eighteen. Eight, oh, you know, you're eighteen. Kind of like yeah, at yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah. Before and Hong Kong. Before Hong Kong. Discovering and, yourself. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. there was like, ooh, yeah. what do I want to do? You know, like, um, I like these really visual things at this like stage of my life. I'm learning to do like merchandising for Mex, which doesn't exist anymore. Mex. Um, yeah, really? Like, I work for Mex. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> does Mex um, does Mex still exist? No, no they went bankrupt. It's gone, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's gone. They went under. Um, they became a Liz Claiborne company, and then Liz Claiborne was like, we're done with you. Come um, on. Yeah. yeah. So just doing, like, merchandising for them, learning to, like, do windows and, and things like that. And then... Do windows, like... Yeah, like, like designing the, the, oh, the mannequins and, like, and like, stuff. Okay. You know, like, so... So I... Even when I was working retail, I was still, like, in a visual communicative environment. I just didn't know it at the time because I was 18 and stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but then ended up going to Hong Kong... Um, because why not? Yeah. <laughs> and um, then ended up in Singapore for just under a year, where I was living at my godfather's house with my cousin. And he was like, you know, you should just, like, get a degree while you're here. So I ended up taking, like, some, some like, courses to, like, learn to code. and In Singapore? Yeah. And do, like, those <laughs> kinds of things. That's pretty and, cool. And then I ended up... Um, Working for him there, getting some contracts there to do um, websites. So I built websites there for race cars and for, um, what is it called? Like just the little tiny ones, like before you learn to like race a, a, a go-kart. Yeah. So, go-kart. so the go, the go-kart, um, it's really big over there. It's yeah. like a, it's like a huge thing. It's like a precursor uh, to F1. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, ended up building websites for that back in the day where you had to like, design all of your elements slice them out and like create these different elements which we then sent over to coders for them to code it in and then like build the the like interactive parts of the website like this was like the early 2000s it was just kind of a gong show like the tools have come a long way now and like how we build websites and how we think about like the interaction of the client with websites and stuff like that and i didn't know any of that at the time i just made things look pretty but that's kind of like where i started mm-hmm. And then over time, I started asking myself, pretty is nice, but it doesn't move your bottom line. Mm-hmm. You know, like pretty is nice, but it doesn't move your bottom line. Yeah. Like it's not paying the bills. Like it's, oh, not, okay, okay. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like so for, for like the receiving client, it's like, yes, we can make a pretty website, but is it really helping you? Mm-hmm. Is it really helping you as a business? Is mm-hmm. it really helping your customer? Is it meeting their needs? And then I started asking all those questions. And then kind of like 10 years later, I'm still asking all those questions, except in a more refined way. Mm-hmm. And that's what Ertica is. Mm-hmm. It's like solutioning how to serve the clients and serve the business at the same time. That's good. So you're looking at like both sides of the perspective from like the consumer and for the owner that's right so you want to understand what the consumer wants and actually what like the the owner of the company wants that's right and kind of build the bridge Mm. so that's what the brand is it's like a bridge 
There, there's a little gap missing, though. So. Gap. I did a lot of things in that gap. Can we not talk about the gap? <laughs> there may have been some partying involved. I'm not sure I remember all of it. That's okay. That's like us. We've too. all gone through that phase. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wait. So, you're in Singapore. Yep. And you live in a, on a farm now. Yeah. And you're doing all these avenues to support your brand like you took photos for us you you know, you're going to work on the website yeah we've talked about seo google and this stuff so how did you start building all those avenues yourself like and how did you start getting i guess clients to start using you because i guess what's interesting to me is like a marketing firm or like a, a creator needs to have to create their own business yeah. to get other business so you you're you're doing your own work for yourself and then to do it for other people absolutely right? so it's like as a business owner i'm acquiring all of these skills for the things that i'm doing to build my business mm-hmm. and then i'm kind of like flipping them over into the kind of services that we offer to our clients now exactly mm-hmm. yeah, yeah um yep. so I've had quite a few businesses over the years, or I've been part of the founding team of like quite a few businesses. Um, everything from like a catering business in Montreal um, to like a wedding event trade show, um, you know. And then I ended up when I came back from Montreal. Uh, when I came back from Singapore to Montreal, I ended up launching a photography studio on Saint Laurent Street, which is like the main yeah. kind of drag where like all the shops are and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, where we would do like portraits and we did a lot of weddings and stuff like that. Um, and that's kind of like where I cut my teeth as like a business owner. I was like on my own, um, trying to like figure it out. And, um, that's when I learned that you have to have contracts with your clients because. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fill in the blank here. Um, you know, and I think, um. It's a learning curve though. Entrepreneurship is, I feel like even. We are still learning, yeah. and and I think people that think you know entrepreneurs is just kind of like a steady pace of yeah. of growth, but it's like the the more burned or the more mistakes you make, I think the bigger you will grow. Hundred percent. You know what I mean. Yeah. So. But you have to be able to like take those lessons in stride. Oh, yeah. of course you can't you can't sit and dwell on them and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. be yeah. salty about it. They're yeah. not mistakes. They're lessons that's right yeah (laughs) it's a very poetic way to say it yeah but yeah so had that uh photography studio there and it was the first time that i really got involved in an industry Mm. and the you know like the wedding industry and the photography industry in montreal is very tight-knit um they're like cliques um, I was never one of the cool kids growing up. I was always a nerd. So I don't know how to like interact with people. But what I wanted to know is how to sell. Mm. Because if you have any kind of skill and you can't sell it, then at the end of the day, you're still broke and hungry. <laughs> seller be, there's a good book about that called just, uh, Seller just, Be Sold. Just direct like that. <laughs> just, well, it's true. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, you could be like the world's best photographer, but if you can't talk to the client, if you can't sell it, then. Mm-hmm. So that was your first. So f- photography was your first kind of business that you got into. Yeah. And then I ended up. Um, and then at that point, you, sorry, you, you realized you needed to get into sales. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. yeah. So, so for me, like even today, even with Urtica, like I have a, I have a pretty like, I'm going to call it an aggressive sales tactic, but it's very like, it's very pull at the same time. So we'll get to that in a minute. But like, okay. um, what happened in Montreal is I ended up creating a network of people around the photography studio. So we had a lots of events mm-hmm. there. We invite a lot of women there who were influencers in our community that had, you know, this was like influencer marketing before influencers were a thing. Like mm-hmm. this was not like IG, like there, there was like none of that happening at that time. Um, but we would bring in, um, these women to these events and we would do like these huge giveaways of like prizes of like local things mm-hmm. and like, um, we do like champagne and sushi nights and we created this community around um, the photography studio, which led people to asking questions like, well, what else do you do? You know, like your website's really cool. Who did your website? Oh, well I did that. You know, like your copy is really solid. Like who, who wrote your copy, you know, like for your ads or for your website. What is copy? So writing copy is like the, so it's writing designed to sell. Mm. Writing designed to sell. That's right. So copywriting comes from. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, like, just for the listeners though, like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You look at any pamphlet, <laughs> you know, you look at any poster, you look at any billboard, you look at any ad. Like, or... so that's a copy. No. <clears throat> so that's, that's the name of a business. Yeah. <laughs> Copywriting is like but, something you'll find in like, like a, like say like our marketing material, like yeah. the sales or buyers agree, like the, like the, or Oh, like, like the writing like, in the yeah. ad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or okay. Like, okay. You know, like when you write out a newsletter mm-hmm. and you have a goal, for them to do something with that newsletter, like click a button, Mm -hmm. that's copy. Because you're influencing the action of the person reading it. Mm -hmm. Right? Good to know, good to know. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've never talked about it. We'll have to go through that with you later. Copy. Copywriting. Copywriting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all websites use copywriting. Yeah, Yeah, right? So so if if you're trying to communicate anything with the intention of... Um, kind of like bringing somebody on board to the idea that you have or to sell them something, um, it's copywriting. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. if it helps your business, it's copywriting, basically. That's kind of like the... the It's like having an intention of what's the purpose of your ad. It's getting them to do something. something. Yeah, It's like a billboard. Like when you look at it and it has something that says that invokes some sort of emotion or feeling when you read it. That's right. That's something that was written for that purpose. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, I forget what I was saying. You're talking about the events. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. So like the events, um, kind of led to creating a larger network, which led to back to my kind of roots. If I want to like the, what I was doing in Singapore, I ended up building websites. I ended up taking photography for the websites. I ended up kind of like doing that. Um, and then at the time, um, I was kind of just doing graphic design on the side of my photography business. It wasn't like my main gig. Mm. Um, and over the years, I've always, um, at least like in the early years, I always ended up doing graphic design, like whether it was like creating like cards for, you know, like like a friend's business or I was doing, you know, like a, a full on website or is doing, um, you know, like, like their newsletter or like whatever. I always ended up doing it kind of like on the side mm. for the first, like, I don't know, like, seven or eight years of my career, I was always like just doing it on the side and trying to like focus on this other business, whatever that was, Mm -hmm. that was like my main gig. And then eventually I was like, 
but I've been doing this for 12 years now. Like, why am I not just doing this? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and that kind of click happened, you know, in the past five years. Mm. Where I was like, you know, I have been actually doing this. I have been in this industry for like over 10 years. Why am I not doing that? Instead of like trying to keep building these like tiny businesses, like these little other things. So, so you, you were doing all these things on the side and then you realized maybe this should be my main focus. That's right. Because everything else is a distraction, which I thought was my main thing. Yeah. But what I was doing on the side is should be my focus point. That's right. And that's Urtica, is there? That's Urtica. Oh, got it. Yeah. yeah. Your side hustle became your main hustle. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's the goal. You know, I realized um, I had a mentor ask me in the past couple of years, you know, Mel, like, why, why isn't what's now Urtica? Like, why isn't that like your main thing? You're really good at it. You communicate really well around it. You sell it really well. You always have clients to the tune of like you're building a team. You have so many clients. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what if it succeeds? And that was my <laughs> limiting factor right there. I was Fear scared shitless of this thing taking off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if I put all my eggs into this basket and it like takes off. What are we gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's kind of what. That's kind of what I feel like right now. <laughs> like, what are we gonna do? Right? Yeah, it's like a limiting thing that you want to just like you don't want it to grow too crazy because you're like you see the potential of it, but so you want to almost like self sabotage it. Totally. At least you discovered that though, because a lot of people don't realize they are scared of success, so they yeah. self sabotage it, so they don't actually want that. Yeah. Right? So that's right. It's easier to quit than to fail. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, you know, she kind of like asked me a couple more questions in that context. And she was like, well, you know, like, what is it? What does it look like if you fail? And I was like, well, I know what failure looks like because I've opened and closed a bunch of businesses, you know, mm -hmm. like through through my career. And I've been part of like a couple of startups that didn't go that far. And mm -hmm. like, I know what failure looks like. That's part of my language. I understand how it works. I understand how the startup phase works. I understand kind of like how that early grind works. I understand what closing the account sounds like. I understand what calling the clients and saying, sorry, guys, like we're done yeah. over here. Yeah. I know what that all feels like. And it's not scary because it's familiar. Mm -hmm. But like, what happens if we like win a prize and we get recognized for the work that we do? I'm like, I don't know what that feels like. Maybe I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that's out of my comfort zone. That's like yeah. out of my comfort zone, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And then at some point I just decided that I'm just, I'm just done being the underdog. Mm. I just want to go out and figure out what success feels like. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's going to suck and maybe it's going to be awesome, but we won't know till we get there. Mm. So... I've kind of like shifted my mindset a bit and just been like, okay, That's let's, good. let's take this for a ride and see how far we can get with it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I forgot to ask, what does Urtica even mean? That's <laughs> a good story. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I'm a bit of a, a plant nerd, kind of a dabbling herbalist, um, when I'm not doing all of the other things that I do. And Urtica is actually the botanical name for stinging nettle. A what? Stinging nettle. Stinging nettle. So stinging, stinging nettle. Yeah. So, stinging? Yeah. Like nettle. Stinging nettle. So sting metal or metal? Metal. Like with an N. Yeah. N. Don't even know what that is. Okay. So it's a, <laughs> it's a plant. It's a, it's a weed that grows like almost everywhere where the soil is disturbed. Mm. 
Okay. Okay. And it's a really high nutrient plant. Like it's something that you can eat, mm -hmm. um, but it literally will sting you when you harvest it. Hmm. A so, plant will. Yeah, the plant. So okay. it has like all these little like uh, prickly bits okay, okay. Like, on, the, on the stem. On, okay, okay. Um, and when you... When you harvest it, you can get like like blisters and rashes and like things like that, right? So it's not for everyone. You need to know how to handle it. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> and and you know, I kind of think that stinging nettles is a bit my spirit animal because I'm not for everyone, and I like to grow where the ground is disturbed. Like I'm I'm that person who will pick their own road, do their own thing, and kind of um, yeah kind of like explore that new space that nobody has like really taken into yet. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of like um, a really, really roundabout way to name the business after what I believe in, mm -hmm. which is like, what you believe in of who you are, of who yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's so Erdika is the, sorry, is the, it's like the first part of the botanical name okay. for that plant. Okay. Like yeah. the Latin name? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a good analogy of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it also ties into this idea that we deal with a lot of, um, at Urtica, we deal with a lot of like farm-based businesses. We deal with a lot of food-based businesses. And this is like an edible plant that mm. grows in farms oftentimes and things like that. So there's like there's like a lot of like... We thought through this a little too hard for a little too long. <laughs> That's cool, though. Like, you need to have a good backstory yeah. to your yeah. name, right? Otherwise, if it has no meaning, then it has, like... No stick. Yeah, no connection to yourself, no purpose. So it's important to have a good backstory to the name. That's right. Yeah. You mentioned you're, you're, you have, you're like, on a farm. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that, because I know you... <laughs> Farm-to-table business. Yeah, yeah you... you farm and you pick a lot of stuff right <laughs> and you have your own and do you so do you sell that too or um, do you market that too or is that just kind of like for fun i think how i got into it was as part of a previous business that i owned so i owned another business called the northern table where we did uh, farm to table dinners where we would do um, these kind of like big caterings on farms where we would only use local ingredients and we would only um, cook what was in season um and just so we're clear farm to table means you're getting like the, far the farm literally what grows there we serve on the plate like right after that's right so it gets harvested so you kill the you kill chicken, the duck, and then you eat it like a minute later. Well, or maybe cook, not a minute later, but not a minute. Back, but like. <laughs> yeah, like it's like really it's, it's super fresh. direct, fresh. Yeah, so yeah. it's like it's as fresh as it gets. Basically, you you kill the chicken, cook the chicken, and eat it. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. I just want to be clear about that, but yeah, go on. But yeah, yeah. So you so you were running a business like that. Or, yeah, yeah, so like that that business also sold like different um, teas and salts and things like that. With, that we had like a product line with mm -hmm. that business, um, and that's how I ended up meeting a lot of local farmers out in like in that Edmonton area, um, working with a lot of them in sourcing our ingredients for those things and and doing dinners on the farms and sort of building that community again. Mm -hmm. um, but then. We ended up moving um, into this old 1930s farmhouse, which is like the 
which is like the old homestead house. Like literally <laughs> there's an add on on this house that has the bathroom in it. Mm. Like that's just to tell you, like at some point there was no bathroom in this house when it was originally built. Like yeah. <laughs> it's super old school. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so we moved into um, that house on a piece of property that a girlfriend of mine's father owns. So we're actually three families that live on this 15 acre piece of land, uh-huh. um, where we raise the quacken, uh-huh. which is our, uh, runner ducks, um, that lay eggs and waddle around. Like they're so fun. Um, so that's the quacken. That's Qu- the quacken. Is you, is the ducks. Is the ducks. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, um, so we raise ducks, uh, for eggs and meat. And then we, that um, you consume yourself and sell or just. We just consume it ourselves, oh, yep. and um, we we sold some eggs for a while, um, but that's like my kid's first business. Like mm-hmm. he's three, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Okay, mom, I'll harvest the eggs," and I'm like, "I will wash them for you and sell them for you, but we're putting this like in your piggy bank." So like I'm I'm making an entrepreneur really early with this kid. <laughs> nice, nice, that's good. Uh, <laughs> and then we have like a large garden that we grow most of the vegetables that we eat in the year mm-hmm. in our garden. Um, so we then preserve them, pickle them, dry them, freeze them for the winter into the next gardening season. So I'm like an 1800s old farm wife, secretly, <laughs> you know, like at the same time. Yeah. New age and old school. Yeah. That's that's a cr- interesting dynamic because, yeah, you look like you could be from like New York doing marketing and then you're on a farm. With like wellies and plaid and like yeah yeah, that's that's interesting. Jane of all trades, master of none. <laughs> so how do you? I guess how do you? Um, how do you grow your business then? Um, if you're, are you like it's all online or is it all referrals? How are you? So I'm because you have a pretty decent decent following on social media, right? So yeah, yeah. um. I have never once done an ad for my business. Hmm. What? <laughs> I have never. Isn't that your whole business though? Yeah. yeah. But for, for our business, we've yeah. never actually done an ad because our network is really solid and we take really good care of our people. Hmm. Working by referral. That's right. That's the you best. Know, that's, that's how we met. That's how yeah, we yeah. ended up here. You know, like a really yeah. good girlfriend of mine, Alicia, who owns Caramunchies. We had a dinner and yeah. Dave was there and we just started chatting and then met with you and then yeah. here we are. Exactly. You know? That was only like a, a month or two months ago almost. Yeah. August. Yeah. Mid-August. I, I would say, though, for us, that when we first started, that was like 95% too of our business is referral working by referral right you outgrow that i think at some point for sure um especially for houses yeah i'll bet yeah i'll bet but for something that's service based and creative based like what we do um we actually don't need to have that many clients on our roster Mm. Because we like building long-term relationships with our clients. So we have a handful of clients that we call lifers who will just (laughs) literally come back to us, you know, like month in, month out, year in, year out. And we're always kind of doing things for them, supporting them, being in their corner, creating new strategies around their marketing, creating new content for them. Um, And it it keeps us fed, you know. Uh Um, So we don't 
we don't often go out to look for new business. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you experienced, um, my sales skills are just here is everything that is not working that I can see. Does it feel like it would be of benefit to you if we fixed it? Here's how we're going to fix it. Let's work together. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Like that is the beginning and the end of my, and like, if you get on board, then you're on board and you're one of us. And if you don't, then you don't, nobody's, you know, like no hard feelings. Mm-hmm. 100%, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It just comes from a place of service. hundred percent. And that's what I think, um, where people need to come from is a, s- a service and not like sales. Right. Totally. Um, it's solution based. Yeah. Right. Like here's a problem. Here's a solution. Let us know if you want to fix it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Very direct. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, like when, when we had the initial That's not real estate, though. Real estate, I feel, is... Kind of. A it, well, more no, roundabout? Well, I, I feel with real estate, it is more emotional. So you ha- you're catering to more feelings, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. um, you're dealing with, like home buyers yeah we're not dealing with business owners yeah 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 that's different on the commercial side of things yeah well whatever avenue you're in in i guess in real estate right but i i i guess for marketing too is you need to always well i guess this is a good question what (laughs) flip it around and do a question for me please How, how how important would you say um marketing is for a business and do you feel a lot of business lack like that is that a trick question yeah well um, not really but <laughs> <laughs> i think that marketing is huge mm-hmm. and if you don't do it then at some point you will burn through your network mm. and have no other resources left to acquire new customers right because like we we all have a network. Some of us have a really strong one and a really healthy one. Some of us is small or whatever. But once you've burned through that network, you need to have other resources that help you reach the people that you want to serve. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do marketing, then you'll never get there. But marketing is many things, right? Like marketing is not just ads. Marketing is also your website. It's your, all of your communications, like all of the signage that you put up, like the, this, you know, like the signs that you put on on the house that says like, we're selling this house. Like Mm. that's marketing. Your business cards, that's marketing. How you dress, that's marketing, Mm. right? Like when you show up to talk to someone, that's, it's part of your marketing. It's part of your image. It's part of your brand. It's very intertwined right into the core of the business and it touches everything. If you don't have a plan around how you're going to market your business, then you don't really have a business mm-hmm. because if you're not going to sell anything, then you have a hobby, not a business. Yeah. Marketing is that selling component, right? Like you make the thing or you create the service, but if you're not, building that component that allows you to reach the people who want whatever you have to offer is, then you don't have a business. So that marketing component is that whole bridge, whatever that looks like, you know, Mm -hmm. it could be like Instagram reels. That's marketing. Mm -hmm. It could be the way you design your packaging. That's marketing. It could be the way you create the baskets that go into your new home buyers, like welcome home, you know, like, we love you guys. Thanks for working with us. Mm-hmm. That's part of your marketing. Because if your basket is really killer, they're going to like call their mom and be like, could you believe what they left us? 
Mm-hmm. And then now they're talking about your business. Mm-hmm. That's marketing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's all service based. Because like when you have when you provide good service and like quality, people remember it. Hundred percent. Right. And and if they if it's like one bad experience, they're gonna remember it too. So hands you, down. You like that's what I learned in sales is client retention. Right? If you don't have good client retention because your service was shitty, people are gonna know about it. That's right. But if your service is good, people are gonna know about it too. So that's why it's, it's very important to have that client retention and, and also that follow back, that touch and, and just like um, having service even after the service is completed. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. And even like how you think about how you maintain the relationships mm-hmm. with your existing clients, that's marketing too, mm-hmm. right? So whether it's on the acquisition side or the maintaining side of that relationship with your clients, everything, like if you kind of put a word on all of that, I would call it marketing because it's that like, like people think of marketing as this like really dirty thing. And they think about selling as this really dirty thing. And they're like, I don't want to be a dirty car salesman and blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to push it. But like, if you come from a place of service and you know that what you have to offer has value to the people that you're offering it to, then there's nothing wrong with any of that. Right. You're like, you're serving them really well. You're taking really good care of them. And that, all of that, every touch point with the client, every touch point with a potential lead, that's all marketing. So if you're not doing like marketing efforts in your business, then you just have a really expensive hobby. Yeah. Like I took small business entrepreneurship at Mount Royal and the professor there really pushed in my mind, like, Marketing should be about 20%, 25% or more of your income's, um, like business. Because if you're not, if you're not marketing yourself after the fact, you have a high likelihood of failure in the business. They say small business only has an 8% chance of success in the first five years. And in the next five years, if they're not like, if they're not growing, they're not changing, they're not innovating, they only have another uh, 8% chance of success in the next Isn't five years. Isn't that scary, years. though? It is, but that's why a lot of people fail. That's right. Right? A lot of people aren't willing to take that risk. They're not willing to actually make that jump, that leap of faith, and they're not willing to grow. But, like, that's just a reflection of the person, not reflection of the business. Which, by extension, is a reflection of the business, though, yeah. right? Like- <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's like, that's why what scared me about that, I'm like, holy shit, like, that's pretty much a high failure rate it's but, huge yeah it's huge eight <laughs> percent i i didn't i didn't know any of that i've always just been like fuck it let's just <laughs> entrepreneur like business figure it out jump in head first like we'll make it work right that that was that's always been my set but it, it is true like there's a lot of businesses that fail even like agents realtors mm-hmm. you know um don't get their marketing and branding up to par. But I also do think it is a, a spiritual game too, right? You, it's always, if your business fails, it's 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 always reflected on to the person, mm-hmm. I feel. Right? Mindset. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But you know, like failure doesn't have to be a dirty word either. No, never dirty word. Right? I don't want. I don't want to say failure is a dirty. I've I failed in so many businesses. You right? have to fail. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. learned. But that's. I think that's what people are scared of too, because they're always trying to. They don't want to 
get that attention if they do fail. Mm-hmm. Well, they can call me because I know how to fail. <laughs> I'll just, I'll hook them up with some tips, yeah, you know, yeah. but um, I think like kind of going back to that marketing piece now that we've kind of defined what it is, I think businesses kind of get to a point where, you know, like most, we've had this conversation, Jason, where you were like, we start by hiring people that we know. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of, I'm going to say burn through our network that way by like working with people that we know who are kind of good at what they're doing, um, but who aren't necessarily like professionals in what they do. And I think one of the things that is really scary for a small or even a medium sized business is to kind of like bring in an external creative, bring in an external strategist who can come in and look at their business and say, okay, well, what you're doing is really cool, who you're serving is really awesome, but you need to have a communication strategy. You need to have a content strategy. You need to have a marketing plan Mm -hmm. around how we're going to get you from where you are now while you're kind of like working through your network to expanding beyond where your natural reach would be. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are scared of that transition because they want more boots on the ground, you know, like more people doing the thing that it is that your business is known for. And they're like, well, I'm already running this thing. So I'm kind of like doing that sort of. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that there's a true benefit of having somebody come in who can just take ownership of that space and take like ownership of that growth. Um, And that's really scary for a lot of business owners. I I think for, for me, it's the control. Um, also why we all get into business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a space that I've let go a lot of for us to grow is is being in control of everything because <laughs> you have to learn to delegate or let someone else take the lead on it yeah. without micromanaging them. You need a professional to do it too. Yeah. But I think that it's also like, yes, you need to delegate, but you need to let them take ownership. Yeah. 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 Right. Which is the hardest thing because it's your business. Yeah. And you do things your way. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I, it's, that was a struggle for me. But once, like, I I remember um, when we first started with Cindy, I was like, nah, I just do it myself. Yeah, and then you're like, he would, dele- he would delegate a task, and then he would do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, why would you t- tell someone to do it? They yeah. started it, and then you'd finish it yourself. It's like, but for me, work. <laughs> for for me, it was like, I would tell someone to do it, and then if it's not done in ten minutes, and I had, you know, two minutes to do it, I'd be like, fuck it, I just do it, you know. And so <laughs> that's that was more about you than it does about your employees, yeah. Jason. Yeah, I know, I know. But yeah, that was like my struggle where. Okay, I just give them the time to do it. Nothing needs to be instant because I like to do things instantly and like get things done right away, right? But um, good things take time, Jason. I know, I know. It's it's a learning. I had to learn about myself in order for the business to get to the next level. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Or you're always going to be stuck in that business as a a self employed technician. Technician. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that, but I yeah. hope that was, yeah. yeah. Just learning to delegate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's something that a lot of 
business owners and entrepreneurs face? Like, I think that in my mind, that is the transition between entrepreneurship and business ownership is like, you. yes, you're the technician first, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm a graphic designer, I'm a photographer, I'm a copywriter. That's like the things that I do, right? Mm-hmm. And then you move into entrepreneurship. That's the business kind of like starting to take form and things like that. And, you know, like you're starting to get a little more legit and you got like stuff in place and systems in place and you're starting to like work through those pieces. But I think there's a transition that happens beyond that. When you become a business owner is when you start having a team and you start being a leader mm-hmm. inside of your own culture, inside of your own kind of ecosystem that you're building. It's like that next level above like creating the systems that you need to kind of get where you're going. Now you're taking that leadership role And that's so scary for a lot of people, right? Because we're so tightly knit with what we're building. It's such an extension of who we are as humans, as people. And being able to kind of like take that step sideways or back away from it and be like, there might be someone who is like really killer at doing the specific piece of it. And I kind of suck at it. Or I kind of hate doing it. Or it sucks up a whole bunch of my time. But it takes that going inwards that you were talking about and that like building that like soul piece or that like mentality piece Mm -hmm. um, to get there or else you get stuck. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Self-reflection. What would you say to someone right now or that is struggling with marketing that is very tight on a budget uh, of what to do? Um, where to start where to start right like they don't have a lot of capital to start their branding what would you say is like the most basic way to to get their marketing going copy what you see so in every industry there's thought leaders and in every peripheral industry there's thought leaders so for example um What I really like doing for our business is I'll take a look at um, people who make it their business to build businesses who are not necessarily graphic designers or artists or anything like that. And I look at what they do and how they market themselves. And I kind of leverage those ideas and make them our own. You want to look at people who are a step ahead of you or two steps ahead of you. You don't want to look at like, Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever, because he's been he's been around for a hot minute. He, he's yeah. a, he's on another level, though. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but you can't you can't compare your right now to somebody's like landing spot, right? You want to find people who are like a step ahead or two steps ahead from where you are, and look at what is working for them and what isn't working for them. There's so much data out there right now, and so many metrics that you can follow that you can see what's working and see what's not working. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not that hard if you spend a little bit of time to kind of understand understand how a campaign works, mm-hmm. you know, and how, or, or like how a piece of communication works and how it's moving their, their business. Um, so that's what I would do. And I really like the idea also of looking at different industries. So you don't end up in this situation where you're a diluted version of another business that does the same thing you're doing mm-hmm. because you're just like copycatting what they're doing. But if you're looking at another industry, then it forces you to be creative around how you restructure that system that they've created Mm -hmm. into something that serves you. So the tool is still in a place where it can help you, but you're not saying the same things and you're not looking the same way and you're you're not looking like a diluted version of somebody else. Yeah. And that's what I feel like what happens in in our industry because there's so many realtors. Mm 
Mm. There's a lot of copycat stuff, right? Like, oh God, never like, ends. Huge pet peeve. Yeah. Huge we've, pet peeve. I can see it happening. Yeah. We've done some stuff where like we were doing it all the time, and then we started seeing realtors do it because they follow us, right? But, That's right. But you know, like some people get upset about things like that, right? Yeah. You spend all of this money or you invest all of this time creating this really solid strategy. And then you see like somebody else do it after and you're like, damn, like, you know, like we invested <laughs> so much into this, but I always take it as the ultimate compliment Yeah, for because sure. I'm like, you know what? You're just a diluted version of us. Yeah. And it's, it's good to see that they're actually taking, like people are seeing what we're doing totally to, yeah. to copycat it. Right. Totally. Or, or to mimic it. But. <clears throat> but the other thing too, is like, there's kind of a positive silver lining to it where it's like, now you're helping your whole industry grow. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're helping your industry grow, then there's more business to be had. And it's just a bigger pie instead of trying to get a bigger slice out of the same pie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we're okay with like growing our own team. And, and if someone has questions that we know of friends that are realtors, like we'll give them advice on it because it's not, it's gonna not going to affect our business by sharing. <clears throat> because people are hiring you for you, mm. right? They're hiring you for your relationships with them. Yeah. So you kind of can't get in the middle of that. And and in order to for them to hire you for you, and if they don't know you, it all leads to your brand and marketing. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> That's what it's all about. That's what we're working on right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. So... What is Ertica's five to 10 year plan? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, so we're actually at a point now where, you know, they say like, there's a few ways to grow your business. You can charge more money. You can find more customers. You can, um, you know, like grow, like kind of like you can grow your services and offer different things. Um, and that's kind of like the three major ways that most service-based businesses are going to grow. But we've kind of gotten to the point where I'm comfortable with the size of my team. We kind of charge the most we can for the size of business that we want to work with. So we're kind of at capacity in a way. So it's like, what happens now? You need more customers. So I've been thinking about that. Actually, I've been thinking about that for about a year now. And you know, like our, our price point for average customer, like is around $10,000, but that's not comfortable for everyone. Mm -hmm. And for like some of the smaller businesses that we want to work with, like those mom and pop shops, the people who are at the farmer's market and, you know, like those kind of people, it's pricey, right? Yeah. They're like just in, they're just a couple years in and they may not have that kind of cash to outlay on building a brand and a communication strategy and, and those sorts of things. Uh, certainly not on a year over year kind of way where we like to have those long-term relationships with our customers. So what we're looking at doing is creating courses and creating template based components so that we can serve those clients at a lower price point, but serve more of them. Mm. So kind of, we work with three to five year businesses is kind of like the, the kind of sweet spot for us. Um, but we want to work more with those like one to two year businesses where they really need to get their shit together. Mm -hmm. They really need to look polished so that they land their first big client, like a grocery store for a food product or something like that. Um, 
but we want to do it in a way where we're educating them as business owners Mm -hmm. and we're, we're educating them about like those key components, that brand component and stuff like that. But in a way where I don't have to touch them and my team doesn't have to touch them unless they want to go really custom. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of looking down the food chain instead of looking up the food chain to kind of go back and serve that community that we built Mm -hmm. and serve like the newcomers and the comer ups and the underdogs because everybody wants to look their best, mm-hmm. right? Everyone put, wants to put like their best foot forward, mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily have that opportunity to work with like a really solid designer, a really solid creative um, in that first or second year of business. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to look at ways to create bite-sized pieces that still serve our business. We're still making an income. We're still serving our community, um, but at a price point where it's more comfortable for, you know, like a mom of four who is like starting a basket gifting business in her garage yeah. or whatever. Right. Um, so you're, you're designing, you're thinking about designing like a course online training, mm-hmm. like an introductionary course to branding to get, and to website and to package design. That's nice. smart. You can hit like more mass and then volume. Yeah. Yeah. And then if they're more interested, then they could hire you more. Exactly. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. So it sort of becomes like a lead gen thing for us at the same time, Mm -hmm. because like somebody who will take, you know, like a $49 course or a $99 mini course, you know, that talks about like how to narrow your niche or like how to identify your ideal customer. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Someone who does that may be more willing than after to buy a template from us that'll help them build their website in a really polished way that really serves that specific type of client that they've now identified through this course, right? So I want to build those pieces so that if and when they get to that point where they have a tipping point in their business, now they have more cash flow and they want to have more of our like one-on-one time either with me or with one of the people on my team, then we can talk about one-on-one coaching. We can talk about refining their design. We can talk about taking them in, you know, like as a, as a client where we're now creating something entirely custom or partially custom for them. Um, so yeah, kind of building a sales funnel and serving that client that we sort of left behind because when we started charging more and more and more year over year, that client that we really like to work with, um, we outpriced them. Mm. That's smart though. Cause you're essentially building future clients by, Absolutely. by creating like self-taught self-learning to get them to that point where they're at this higher use now and need that higher service because they've created a business, um, that is like performing on that level that, that you're at right now. You're essentially just creating clientele for you. Exactly. That's, that's fucking smart. <laughs> <laughs> was it hard for you to increase your prices every year? Like, uh, nope. uh, no, some people are like, have this really weird thing with money where they're like, this is as much as I can charge. Like, that's it. It's over. Yeah. You know, like I, I can only charge a hundred bucks an hour. I can only, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I just have a spreadsheet that tells me how much I'm going to charge next year. It's just a formula. It really like, you know, I put it in because it's like, I created sales goals for the business and like bottom line goals for the business because I know that I am going to need the time to build those components, right? Like the course, the Uh templates, those pieces that I want that will serve the community that I want to serve. Uh 
And in order to create that time, I need to make enough money so I can put food on my kid's table Mm -hmm. and pay my rent, Mm -hmm. you know, or my Mm -hmm. mortgage. So I just have a spreadsheet (laughs) that says, (laughs) that says, okay, this year we charge this much for the service. And then next year we have an X, you know, percent increase Mm -hmm. on our hourly rate, on our package rate, on our, you know, all of those things until we get to the point where none of our clients say yes when we send out a proposal. We're still getting yeses all the time. I haven't Wait, so you're, not you're, closed a client yet. So you're doing that till you get a, a no. I'm doing it until I get all no's. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's just like, you know, something that five years ago we charged a thousand dollars for. Now we charge three thousand dollars for in five years. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's incremental. Yeah. So like people are not getting like this crazy like sticker shock thing where like if you refer me someone next year it's not twice what you're paying mm-hmm. or whatever yeah, you yeah. know yeah, yeah. um <laughs> but it could be because why not you know like and the other thing too is like year over year even though the name of like, cuz we work in packages a lot you know so like we'll bundle things together and create a custom quote for clients mm-hmm. um So like year over year, the name of the package might stay the same, but I'm continually growing as a creative. I'm continually getting mentored. I'm continually building my team and mentoring them and coaching them. So like the quality of the service and the quality of what we create for you year over year is also growing, right? Like, um, and that's worth more money, Yeah, you know, like, time. cause, cause that what we invest in ourselves, what we invest like in the team, it's, it's worth something, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if we can give you a better quality service faster, so you can get to the market faster and you can lose less time kind of like dwaddling around, mm-hmm. then that time you're saving is worth money. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So we're charging more for it in the story. Time's the most valuable asset. Amen. That was a very good answer. (laughs) I've been thinking about this. Yeah. 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 Like (laughs) you can't buy time, No. but you can always make money. Right. And if you can save time and and hit those points and not miss the boat on something, Mm -hmm. that's more important than the dollar amount that you're going to spend. A hundred percent. But a lot of people don't value time and that's the problem. They value money. (laughs) They they do. But like one of the examples that I like to give is like sometimes like let's say I send out a ten thousand dollar quote and then the client says, Well, you know, like how how long do you think it's gonna take you to do this work? Mm -hmm. You know? And I say, Well, if it takes me less time than what I think in my mind it's going to take me, do you want me to charge you less? And like inevitably they're like, Yeah. You know, I want to pay less money for this because I'm a business owner and we're all like trying to do our thing. And I'm like, okay, so if it takes me more time, then can I add that time to your invoice? Uh, well, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So I'm charging you a project rate because I have an understanding of my skill set and I know how long and I know the value of what I'm offering you and how we can measure how that's going to change your business. So. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Where, where, where did you learn to sell yourself? <laughs> yeah, that's some good selling skills. Yeah. You know how to sell yourself. Where did you 
learn that mm-hmm. and is that like a natural skill but like I feel like you very you're very clear and um what's the word I'm looking for like concise yeah very concise with what you what you what is happening in your business and how to sell it yeah what did you learn how yeah. to sell um so for me it started when I was working retail I worked with this guy um when I was working for Tristan and it was called Tristan and Ezert then clothing um, yeah clothing um and he would you know we had this whole thing around like having to like upsell the clients and like and and we had like quotas and and things like that and we had to meet them Mm um there was a lot of pressure around it but he always seemed to be like nonplussed right he was like oh whatever like it's just gonna happen like it's all good you know he was really relaxed about it i was like damn like how does this guy do it that like, I'm like over here stressing out about like selling one more dress or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's just like bringing clients in to like the fitting rooms and they're leaving with like thousands of dollars of clothes every single time. Like, what does he do? So I started looking at him and observing his body language and observing his pace of communication. Mm-hmm. And he would literally do something so simple that it blew my mind when I finally was able to like digest it enough to like synthesize what was happening. And he just told them when the clothes looked like shit on them. That's (laughs) it. So what did he do? He gained their trust and he was honest and he was transparent. That's it. And clients were like, yes. And they would come back like month after month, season after season to see this guy so that he could tell them that they were too fat for their pants. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, but he always like did it in a way where, you know, like the client felt seen, mm-hmm. they felt heard, they felt understood and they felt like their need was being met. For me, that's what the sales process is. Yeah. It's like. I want to ask you enough questions that I can understand what your need is. I want to look at your body language to see when we're having the conversation, which parts of it is, are making like your shoulders go up and you're like, Oh shit, I don't want to talk about this. You know, I'm observing like the parts of the conversation where you're like looking down because you're feeling a little bit embarrassed about that part of your business. And I'm like, okay, like we need to kind of go a little bit more in that space and discover what it is really under there. That is kind of giving you that reaction. Mm-hmm. And I'm just observing the people that I'm talking to. And I'm like, hey, like, here are the services that I offer that I think would be a good fit for where you're at. Mm -hmm. And then once we get through that point, then we'll get to that next stage and we'll have this conversation again. But it's not really sales in like the traditional, like. The old school way. The old school way. You know, it's really like it comes back to the same thing. It just comes back to knowing who I am and what I offer as a business and understanding by asking questions. It's not that hard, y'all. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, you know, but people, you know, like people who own small businesses, they're like, they're like, I don't understand why I can't sell what I'm, what I'm offering. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, did you ask your client questions? What do they need? Yeah. What do they want? Yeah. You know, where are they at? Yeah. And if you can understand that, you can sell anybody anything. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I ask a lot of questions. Yeah. It's super important. Yeah. Because if you don't know what they want, 
then and they don't know what they want then no like there's no sale there <laughs> absolutely there's there's this thing too about like kind of being an expert in your field where you can ask all of these questions and then your clients will tell you so in our industry the classic thing is like well i just need a logo okay let's have this conversation <laughs> you know like well we need we we, we need do need a logo, a new logo. <laughs> <laughs> um but like a lot of clients will come at us and be like I just need a logo. I just need a logo. That's the language that our clients give us time and time and time again to the tune that like on our website for the really long time, like our headline was, we don't do just logos, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then, um, because as an expert, I'm able to ask you the questions about your business and where you're at that allow me to understand what your actual need is, even if you're communicating to me that you just need a logo. Mm -hmm. Because if you just need a logo, that to me says that there's something askew about your brand identity. So maybe your foundation is not solid enough. Maybe you don't know what your mission is. Maybe you don't exactly know what your values are. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't exactly know who your ideal client is. Mm -hmm. So what you really need is like that strategic work mm -hmm. that will culminate into really solid logo artwork. But that's not the work we need to do. We need to talk about what's really happening here, you know? And well, that's a separate conversation, I think, outside of this podcast <laughs> for uh, our logo. Yeah. Yeah. Logo is key. Like, I mean, look at well, all. We the... didn't have a logo, and then we kind of rushed to make a logo, I felt. We mm -hmm. had like 30, 40 renderings, and then I, we just kind of happened, I think. And just picked yeah. one. Yeah. But I don't mind our logo now, but I feel like it's, it's only a year old. Yeah. But I feel like we've grown so much in that time that. That's we, what I feel. We want to kind of do another reorg brand. Yeah. Re brand. <laughs> yeah. But see, like, again, it's not really the logo that's bothering you. Yeah. What I'm hearing from you is we've grown so much. Uh -huh. So you've outgrown your artwork. Yeah. Yeah. I think right? we have. Yeah. So yeah. if you've, if you've outgrown your artwork, that means that when you created the artwork, there wasn't like a 10 year plan in place. Yeah. No vision. There was no vision. Yeah. It wasn't right. It wasn't like, where are you now, but where are you going? So you created mm. artwork for where you were a year ago. Yeah. True. Well, right? That's true. But yeah. that's why we added the house. We were, we were only going to do a house initially, but now we have a building because we want to do like Maltese, like commercial and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's why it has the two of them in there. Originally we had a, like a cityscape. Okay. But we're like, that's too much. <laughs> we want to sell you the whole city, y'all. Yeah. So, but like, think of major like fashion houses, mm -hmm. like like Yves Saint Laurent, uh, you know Louis Vuitton. Yeah. Like they they have iconic um, logos and yeah. branding. Totally. They don't they don't change it ever. That's just the brand, mm -hmm. right? Like when was the last time you saw Louis Vuitton change the monogram? Never. Right? So They've always happen. had it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's iconic. It's over how many years? Like yeah, It's like the 1800s or yeah, something exactly. like that when they created the fashion house. So that's why I love fashion. That's why I like, I like to, to, imp like, uh, to replicate branding in fashion because that's like iconic. You want yeah. something classic, iconic that will stick with the brand. For sure. Mm -hmm. I agree. Is there any last words or we like to give opportunity for the guest for you to share anything or that you want to share or give any advice maybe someone looking to get into marketing um but yeah anything you want to say before 
uh, we, we wrap up the podcast here. I think that like the best piece of advice that I was given recently is one that is worth sharing. And that is if you're going to kind of enter this field, whether it's from the design side or the brand strategy side or the marketing side or, you know, any of those sort of realms of service, um, go out into the world and try as many disciplines as you can while you're coming up, Mm -hmm. while you're building who you are as a person, while you're growing into your bones, so to speak, because there is an incredible advantage in understanding not only the technicalities of how the software works or how the different pieces even work together, but how humans work and how people move their bodies through the world or experience different things or come with certain kind of things to the table and having an understanding of that human side is going to give you an edge over all of your competitors because you can serve the human, not just the business. Mm -hmm. Well, that was like damn yeah <laughs> <laughs> mic drop it's true it's true though it's a human experience that people want to experience right Absolutely. more than anything so mm-hmm. where can where can we find yeah, you yeah where can we find you <laughs> yeah um so i'm a cobbler with no shoes so i don't know when this uh, episode is going to drop but right now we actually don't have a website mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of funny hey um but um if you want to slide into my dms we're at we are urtica um we'll probably have that in the show notes or something like that because it's for sure yeah. Urtica's yeah. kind of it's easy to spell but people kind of get it wrong a lot um yeah so we are urtica and then our website is urtica .ca. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. That was, uh, that was a great episode. Yeah, great episode on marketing and everything. So thanks for sharing everything. No. Right on. Thanks yeah. so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Well, that's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. With crack. The cracking. But, but quack. The quack. The quacking. The quack. The quacking. <laughs>